Kimmel Show, back at it. Coming to you live from the Kintex studio. Lots of reaction coming into our Dunbar Lumber text message inbox. 650-650. Detroit Brian. Queen Hughes is the captain? Seriously? Do we believe that they didn't ask Pedersen to wear the C and he declined? Horrible choice. Time will tell. To me, the optics appear a desperate choice by Pedersen in case Pedersen doesn't want to be here long term. That's the thoughts in the inbox 650-650 in the Dunbar Lumber text message inbox. Your submissions. We'll read a couple of more on a big day for the Vancouver Canucks. Naming Quinn Hughes as the 15th captain. He'll be on with Dan Riccio, Satyar Shaw coming up in a half hour to kick off their show. But kick off yesterday for the Seattle Seahawks here on our airwaves on Sportsnet 650 and kick off for Sundays uh, for week one of the NFL. Uh, but if you listened on the weekend, you heard the voice of Steve Rabel, who joins us now, voice of the Seahawks on the Seahawks Radio Network. Steve, how are you? Vic, I'm fine. Uh, after uh, yesterday's performance, you know, you, you spend all, all off season uh, talking to your friends and saying, oh, Gino's ready, man. Seahawks are ready to take this step. And then uh, it, it goes sideways. And suddenly the group chats are filled with uh, uh, smack talk from all your friends. So I, I'm smarting today. Yeah. Yeah. I think you and, and a whole lot of other people, including uh, including Seahawks players and coaches and all of us who are, you know, associated with the with the team and the broadcast. It, it was I think Pete said it best. Uh, but just talked about how kind of shocking that was. Uh, it's one thing to go out there, play a tight game. I mean, ask Kansas City. You lose a tough game to the mm-hmm. Lions, uh, but you're at home. You're the defending Super Bowl champ. Everybody expects you to win. And it was a close game and a good game, and, and they lost that one, and there'll be lots more. To go out and play like uh, the Seahawks played yesterday, in the second half at the very least. The first half, you know, it was a game. Uh, you know, we were ahead at halftime. And then to come out in the second you do uh and who you are and just do things that we haven't seen well since last season at times on defense it was really shocking to quote pete and um, i'm just hoping like everybody else that that's the first last and only time we'll see that kind of performance this season and look, special players do special things, but I'm sure there's a lot of people that are sitting here saying, look, I've watched Aaron Donald for 10 years, and he's in your division, and this is 20 games he's played against the Seahawks, and he still have not figured out a plan for it, and it's difficult, right? Like, he's got multiple defensive players of the year, and he's going to go to the Hall of Fame, he's won a Super Bowl, and yet still, like, every time the Rams play the Seahawks, there's 99 causing all sorts of issues. Uh, how, how have they never tried to limit his impact? Well, you know, watching him yesterday, and I was actually on the lookout for it uh, because he didn't play against us in the final game of last season, the game what won in overtime. So it was a very close game. Uh, this time he did play, and I tried to watch him. I Obviously, as I'm doing the play-by-play, I'm watching the ball, so I'm looking to see where it's going. But on replays and things, I'd always try to find out where 99 was and see. And, you know, we actually didn't do a half-bad job in much of the first couple of quarters, maybe even three-quarters of the game. Uh, And you do different things. You can never do one thing all the time. And the problem with Aaron Donald is he moves around on that defensive front. So he'll play outside your tackle one play. Then he'll come up and line up over the nose the next play. 
Then he'll move over outside to guard the next play. And so it, it makes you, as an offensive line, have to always figure out where's 99 and kind of point him out. And now your rules will change depending on what with uh, a running back. We tried uh, keeping a tight end to that side a few times. And so I didn't call his number a lot yesterday. But the problem was what he does to our offensive front and our offensive game plan means that other guys are going to get less attention. And those are the guys who hurt us. They blitzed with linebackers. They got people in the face of Geno, and we just didn't have an answer for some of that when we should have. We should have been prepared for that. So, to me, Aaron Donald is as, is as uh, damaging to your offense even when he doesn't make the play because of all the other things that he causes the offense to do and then to take their eye off of the guys who, who end up making plays defensively for them. Uh, so it was a, it, it was a long day yesterday, regardless of Aaron Donald's success or no, or not success. Uh, they wind up with seven QB Smith. Now some of it gets exasperated by the two offensive tackles going out, Lucas and and Cross as well. Um, but the the offensive line was meant to be a, a strength of this team, and you know for the first impressions of it, uh, still feel I think me and a lot of Seahawks fans kind of wanting more. Uh, what's the status so far on those two offensive tackles, and how can they grow into the season? Right. Well, I think Pete said this morning that that you know Charles Cross, they believe it's he has a toe injury. Not exactly sure whether it's a sprain or a turf toe, but you know any of us who've ever played know that it's it's tough to plant your foot in the ground when your toe is throbbing and hurting. And so then necessarily you probably will get some sort of injection before the game uh, for that. At least that's the way we did it in the past. Uh, And then you have a tough time feeling your foot. So it's, it's, it's a difficult uh, position that Charles is in. Uh, Noah, uh, uh, beg your pardon, Abe Lucas on the other side uh, has uh, a sore knee and he's had it, you know, for a while, and, and it every so often just kind of flares up on him. And when you're a guy who's 6'6", 322 pounds, that's a, that's a lot of torque and a lot of pressure on that knee, just as 315 pounds of Charles Cross is going to be. Wait, my guess is till the end of the week to see if those guys are going to be able to go. I'm, I'm, I'm hoping uh, that they are. Uh, Jake Curran and Stone Forsythe, have not gotten a lot of snaps. They did in preseason, but they're taking snaps against backup guys in preseason. Uh, our starters didn't play much uh, in the preseason, and they came together in the opening game. Evan Brown, our center, uh, played some. Phil Haynes played some. Damian Lewis didn't play much in preseason. So these guys have to kind of get their game together as an offensive line, and I think that's one of the things also that, that hurt us yesterday uh, against the Rams is, is just everything speeds up. It's not practice anymore. It's not a preseason game against backup players. This is the league, and you better be ready for it. And, and at times yesterday, we were not. So hopefully Abe and Charles will be ready come uh, come Sunday in Detroit. Because you, you mentioned there earlier, too, like the first half, hey, they, they were right there in the mix, and it was a close game. And especially the first two drives, like Gino looked fantastic. And just unfortunate, it's like a really tough play for Tyler Lockett jumping up there with the defender on his back, but he gets his hands on the ball but can't come down with it. But it, just the way that first half looked, it felt like it was trending, and you expect the, 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 the fire to be there in the second half. Offensively, like what to you was the, was the big struggle? 
Well, I, I think a couple of things. I think we could never – first of all, we, we didn't have the ball enough. Even in the, even in the first half, we were giving up again, as we did in many cases last year, long drives against an offense. We just could not get off the field on third down. Uh, and you heard every defensive player, starting with Bobby Wagner, say that yesterday. Uh, take nothing away. Uh, Matthew Stafford is a Pro Bowl. Season. He missed most of the year with a concussion and a contusion of his spinal cord. Um, and so now he's back. He's healthy. He played well. And even without Cooper Cup, he was on the money with his throws. That said, um, you know, we didn't get enough pressure, and so he could just move that team right down the field. So we didn't get a lot of opportunities. In the third quarter, it was ridiculous. They had like two. We had three plays, maybe four, in the third quarter. Uh, Twelve yards gained in the second half. I mean, that's just that's ridiculous. So when you can't get any momentum going and you start to get behind the eight ball, with them being able to score, you not having the ball, now you've got to start getting away from what you really wanted to do, which was run the ball and, uh, and throw high-percentage passes and take shots downfield in the second half. So uh, then you have to throw it in the fourth quarter. You lose both tackles, and now your quarterback is getting hammered every time he drops back. It, it, it was a, a recipe for a disaster uh, that started in the third quarter, and we just couldn't snap out of it. I, I saw a quote from Pete Carroll today about DK Metcalf, that little block in the back and the penalty, obviously, at the end. And, look, we, we've seen this before from DK. I don't really have a problem with it. I, I like guys having a little bit of but it's something that has persisted over a couple of seasons. Is this a case of, hey, this is something that's been tried to work on? He's viewed as a, a guy who's meant to be a leader on that team, and, and this keeps resurfacing, or is this much to do about nothing? Well, no, I think it's it's to do about something. Um, again, because while yesterday was a what a thirty to thirteen shellacking, you might end up in a game that's a very close game that could go down to a final score of uh, get yourself in field goal range to kick the game winner. Uh, and if you do something like that and push your team out of field goal range, you might have cost yourself a victory. So no, it it is about something. I, I, I'm with you. I I love the competitiveness of, of DK. Uh, I don't think you ever want to take that away from him. But you also just have to be smarter than that. And he is. And he's a leader on this team. It also shows bad for the young veterans, and one of your stars actually, can't kind of control himself in that situation. You know what's interesting is I didn't see this during the broadcast. As I said, I've got my eyes on other things as I'm trying to make the calls during the game. But on the front page of the Seattle Times this morning, uh, aside from the headline, which was glaring enough that said down and outplayed, <laughs> there is a picture. He's back on the field with the defensive back standing over him and almost to the point of taunting him. And uh, there was no call made, as I remember, on that play. And so my guess is DK remembered that. And he had a chance to knock somebody on their wallet uh, at some point on a running play on the opposite side of the field, and that's what he did. And he didn't get called for a penalty on the hit. What he got called for was draw uh, coaches on the far sidelines and other Rams players on the field, which led to the taunting call that cost us 15. So 
you know, DK has a long memory, and he used to go, you know, mano a mano with Jalen Ramsey when mm-hmm. Ramsey was on that Rams team last year. And those two guys had, guys had epic battles. Uh, it cost him 15 yesterday. I know he'll Pete will help him remember that, and his teammates will also. Uh, it's it's just kind of some sometimes it's one of those things that happens in the heat of battle, but you just have to be able to control yourself. Couple more minutes with uh, Steve Rabel here on uh, the People Show. You heard his voice uh, on the debut here on Sportsnet 650 of the Seahawks on our airwaves. You mentioned how great Matt Stafford was, and sometimes, sometimes you're just outgunned when a, when a QB is his QBR. Seahawks really never really got him off of his spot when he when he threw outside the numbers like the you know. The, the the third to uh, Puka Nakua, it was like really good coverage, and and Matt Stafford can do that. But the middle of the field throws, they really never got him off of his game. And mentioned the seven QB hits on Geno, only just two the other way. Uh, the more concerning issue is the defensive line or the coverage. Uh, I well, it's always a combination. It's always uh, it's always uh, those two groups working together. Linebackers in there too. And especially the inside guys, Bobby and Jordan. Uh, and I think, in fact, Jordan started to tire a little bit because, remember, he didn't play at all in the preseason as he's been recovering from that ACL. So just the fact that he was out there starting yesterday and in the first half, he was flying around. I mean, he made plays all over the field, and it was the Jordan Brooks that we remembered. I think he got a little winded, a little tired in the second half. <laughs> Defense being on the field the whole time in the second half. So I'm sure the guys who actually had to play uh, got tired. But um, one of the things that hurt the Seahawks were those throws in the middle of the field. And you could just see it develop when you can't get pressure up front and it kind of opens up. Your defensive linemen kind of open a lane right in the middle of the field and those receivers would run down, turn in in front of the safeties, and just as soon as they cleared those inside linebackers who were making those deep drops, the ball was thrown right to them in the middle of the field. And I, you know, I can't tell you how many times that happened, but uh, uh, Nakua made a a number of catches in that area. And so did Atwell. Uh, Again, two guys who aren't exactly going to scare you to death with their, with their uh, career statistics. Uh, Nakua is a rookie for crying out loud, but they just really knew where we would be and how to, how to, uh, set their offense and their route running against what they expected in our defense. And we just never recovered. We never, we never adjusted to that. Uh, and then we get, again, our outside rush guys just could not bring any pressure at all. They were controlled all game long. I think Chenna got there and got to him a couple of times and at least got a hand on him uh, and hit him on as he was throwing. But uh, it, it was just totally uh, on defense. We just could not uh, answer the bell what to what the Rams were doing and that better change or it's really going to be a long season for this defense. Pete Carroll's not immune to this. He he's he's seen this before. You've seen this for uh over a decade now. Um going 0 and 1 to begin with. Uh it's never a great start, but uh what's the Pete Carroll playbook when when they're in this spot? That there are 16 more <laughs> and that today is tell the truth Monday uh and, and uh, they'll come together. They already did, I'm sure. Coaches watched this the film last night uh, at home, and so did the players. Uh, you know, everybody now can get it on their iPads uh, at home. It's all sent to them. So, 
So Gino and everybody else looked, went right home and started looking at this. And I'm sure that they're all seeing, well, here's what we did wrong, or here's how we did not adjust, or if I had just gotten a little further into the middle of the field, I'd have been right in that line of fire, or if I had just... Uh, including Pete, as he said yesterday, he said, I did not make it um, to, to this effect. I just did not during the game, and especially in the second half, as we came out to the second half, uh, probably preach enough about how important it was that we come out with the same fire we had in the first half, that just because we're ahead and we're close in this game and it's at home, <clears throat> it's at home doesn't mean we're all going to win. So that'll all get fixed, and uh, we'll go in with a, a new game plan this week against the Lions, and I expect we'll see a lot of those things fixed. The problem is the Lions offer a whole different kettle of fish. They can run the ball, mm -hmm. and they will do that against us. We did a pretty good job of stopping the run, which is why Stafford had to throw so much and, unfortunately, why he was so successful. So kind of a, a, new, a new thing, a new group of people to look at this week, and that's the, that's the fun of the NFL. You can't worry about what happened yesterday for too long because you still have 16 to play. Uh, you'll hear his voice throughout the course of the season on Sundays here on Sportsnet 650 and hopefully a lot more with some of these chats. Uh, Steve, we really appreciate it. Big, uh, my pleasure. Thank you. Steve Rabel, voice of the Seahawks on the Seahawks radio network. And, uh, again, you'll be hearing uh, Seahawks games on our more games but uh, a troubling start for the Seattle Seahawks and what does the recovery plan look like and he mentioned hey uh Detroit runs the ball really well it's the lone bright spot really uh from the Rams game yesterday they still put up over 90 yards rushing but it's on 40 attempts that's a big concern coming into this year how's the Seahawks run defense gonna look but suddenly doesn't matter when every in-breaking route Backups and rookies going for 18-plus in-breaking routes, middle of the field. Matt Stafford was thriving in. Go back to Thursday, Kansas City hosting Detroit. Where was Jared Goff at his best? In-breaking routes, play action, hitting the middle of the field. It's a trouble spot, and they're going to have to work on it real quick. And it's not as if, hey, Aaron Donald, we're not playing him this week. From Aiden Hutchinson on Thursday. Fantastic start uh, in his second season for the second overall pick. Pass rushing uh, repertoire that he displayed on Thursday versus the Kansas City Chiefs. Some offensive tackles might not be in the picture for Seattle come week two. That's concerning as well on the other side of the ball. So a good matchup to uh, grow into. Bring your best versus some somebody else that's thriving right now. But long way to go but they'll certainly get more first downs next week than they did this week one first down in the second half i think it came by way of penalty too tough start tough start 650 650 a lot of your reaction coming in on week one before we get to that dom what's going on breaking news from adam schefter there's a uh scene at metlife stadium right now monday nighter set to take place today between jets and the bills Currently a shelter-in-place warning now in effect. No players or personnel are being allowed on the field. 
And uh, Victor, just show me the uh, forecast for this evening. Large risk of thunderstorms uh, over MetLife for the next few hours. So we'll see how that develops. That's not just Aaron Rodgers bringing the heat. Yes, bringing the bringing the thunder. Yes, Aaron Rodgers is Thor, Vic. Aaron Rodgers is. How sick would it be if you threw like a touchdown pass and like midair lightning lightning? bolt? Oh, would the lightning bolt have to like hit the ball or like what? As the player catches it, just just in the background. Yeah, that picture would be fire. Yeah, it would be. It would be electric. Oh, I see you working. I see you working. Uh, All right, so that's uh, an interesting to develop. But the the two games that were blown up yesterday because of weather the browns game which joe burrow um you know struggled in the in in the weather um and then the giants game last night that was torrential downpour daniel jones just looked uh real bad i'd be real nervous about that investment they've made right now that's a topic for tomorrow for all the qbs that signed a contract in this offseason who feels best about the hundreds of millions of dollars that you invested moving forward right now but we'll get into that tomorrow before we go though again if you missed the news somehow today your newest captain quinn hughes for your vancouver canucks the 15th captain in team history got more of your reaction into the inbox as well 650 650 into our dunbar lumber text message inbox three stores to serve you in ladner on bridge street dunbar lumber express at ladner center or arbutus in vancouver lumber.com uh, i mentioned i love that there's no ceremony i mean they can still do the ceremony but we don't need this mysterious ploy going up to october 11th or the start of the season especially when it's not even really a secret we kind of knew bull horvat was going to be the name of the captain don't need to keep it a secret this one unsigned completely agree uh without uh a big the new captain this one uh quinn's the eldest sibling of a hockey family any eldest sibling knows that there's always they're, they're always the best suited at being a captain uh can you guys find data on how many captains are eldest siblings look i love the spreadsheets i'm not doing that one i'm not plotting the charts of the eldest siblings for that's, that's cowardice on your part it's too much it, it's too deep in the weeds man sometimes you just gotta let them be athletes all right deep in the weeds is your middle name <laughs> Totally the right choice for the captain. Quinn's focus, serious, all business. Top player that leads by example, just wants to win. Seems like he has Miller's fire, but keeps his composure. Uh, And this one, uh, you guys should ask Quinn how much being the oldest brother will help him as captain. He's been a captain since the moment Jack was born. That's uh, from Mike the Urologist from Brockville. Well, that's a question Dan Riccio, Satyar Shaw, will have to ask because he is 10 minutes away here on Sportsnet 650. People show back at it tomorrow. Being too busy feels like the new norm. You're probably in the middle of something right now, but taking time for yourself just got a little bit easier with Audible. Perfect for listening on the go, so your me time is open wide. Explore premium storytelling with Canadian voices across multiple genres. With over 800,000 titles, including best-selling audiobooks, podcasts, and exclusive originals, join and listen free for 30 days 
Visit audible.ca. There's more to imagine with Audible. Back tomorrow, 2 o'clock, here on The People Show.